0: A Christian mind is not one that is trained to think only about Christian topics. It is a mind that has learned to think about
1: everything from a Christian perspective. Christianity provides a comprehensive view of the world. Christianity
2: is a worldview.
0: Worldviews are the grids.
2: They are the lenses. Through which we frame all of reality. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 10 of the Black Berea podcast. My name is Mary and I'm in the room with... Kofi and Toppe. Hey, how you guys doing? <laughs> Fine. <laughs> I'm alright, I'm alright. This is the season finale, are you guys excited? No, I'm sad. I'm a bit sad as well. What are we going to do? I'm now? excited. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you excited? I don't know, I'm just excited. <laughs>
1: I'm excited,
2: yeah. <laughs> And this episode is our Ask BB. So we ask you guys to submit questions. This is the second time we're doing it. So we've got a lot of questions to go through today on different topics. Yep. And um, some people, we won't be able to answer all the questions that people sent in, but we're going to keep them in a bank and hopefully answer them one day. Um, so you guys ready for the first question? Yeah, yay. Okay, so the first question we got was, how do you read the Old Testament in relation to everyday 21st century life? I understand that the Old Testament folk were on the next level of depravity, but it seems that God was ridiculously harsh on them. So how do you read the Old Testament in
1: relation to today, essentially? Who wants to go first? Seeing as Topair is rushing to answer this question, (laughs) (laughs) I'll go first. Um, I feel like this is like two separate questions. Okay. Um, So the first one is how do you read the Old Testament in relation to everyday 21st century life? I think the first thing you've got to consider is there is quite a gap. Mm -hmm. Um, So when you're reading the Old Testament, you've got to actually bridge that gap. So you've got to take yourself from where you are right now in the 21st century and take yourself back to where the original hearers of that text or readers of that text would have been. So that you're going to need to use commentaries, you're going to need to use um, encyclopedias, you're going to need to use basically materials that help you to understand the particular context the people that are being spoken to or the person who is writing actually is coming from. Once you're there and you're hearing it in that original context The next question then is how do I apply this to now? And what you want to be looking for are the timeless principles about what is teaching you about God, what God's ways are, what God's works are, and how this points to the work of Christ. And I think if you have those principles in your mind, let me get back to where they were, what's happening there, and then thinking of those four things. What does this teach me about God? What does this teach me about his ways? What does this teach me about his works? And how does this lead to Christ in some form in the gospel you find yourself Able to apply this to the 21st century. I think the second question,
2: yeah, was about um, God being harsh on them. So Ridiculously harsh. He, ridiculous. he said there was a ne- He said there was a. They're on a next level of
1: depravity. Next level. Ah, uh, I don't know if you know people in London. Um. <laughs> oh <son>. Hackney. <laughs> or Kofi. What, what, what are you saying about man? <laughs> <laughs> wow. When, when you think you know someone. Um. Yeah, I think I think the thing to say is actually. Um, in the Old Testament, the saints aren't any more we, any more sinful than saints in the New Testament or the saints in the present day mm. um, with regards to inherent sin that's at work in the fallen man's heart. Um, and I think when we're looking at that, then what we've got to consider then is this, what is different about the Old Testament to the New Testament? And I think one of the things that um, the Old Testament does show us, and I think it's important that it shows us this, is how difficult in fact how impossible it is for fallen man to dwell with god without there being some form of mediation i think one of the things we see throughout the old testament is even with those men who are i guess pillars of righteousness we see consistently david Mm falls solomon (laughs) falls samson Mm -hmm. falls and i think for me for me i was i look at those three and it always sticks in my mind david is the man that they they call the man after god's own heart and he still fails Mm. uh, solomon is the wisest man that's ever lived By Jesus Christ and he still fails. Samson is the strongest man that's ever lived, and he still fails. So Mm. it tells us very clearly that there is something fallen about man, irrespective of the gifts he's given, that means that he or she cannot dwell with a righteous and holy God. And I think the Old Testament goes on to show us that so much, so that when the time comes for the entrance of the Messiah, the people in the Old Testament times, but us who are looking back to the Old Testament times can recognize we have a dire need for Jesus Christ. Mm. And it does work to show how great Christ's obedience is. When you see the sins of men past who are people that you should be looking up to, you see their failures and you come to Christ and here's one who doesn't fail. Um, So I look at it in that way. They're not necessarily more sinful, but I think the Bible is trying to show us something and that is the betterness of Christ and the wickedness of sin. So in line with the question,
0: um, do you think that God was particularly harsh on uh, the people of the
1: Old Testament? You know what's really funny about that question Tope just asked me? She's basically done it in a polite way where she said, bro, you didn't ask the question. <laughs> so, so <laughs> I'm, I'm going to take a second stab at that. Um, no, I don't think God is, or rather was, particularly harsh with the people in the Old Testament. Mm. Um I do think it requires us to actually have a, a, a deeper understanding of God's character mm-hmm. um, than at first glance we might appear to have. Um, because you see grace all throughout the Old Testament mm-hmm. scriptures. I think, for example, of um, the bringing in of Rahab, for example. Oh in 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 society, she would have been seen as bottom of the barrel. Mm. You said that? Yeah, bottom of the barrel. Um, and yet there is there is a, 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 a marvelous story that teaches us something about how the gospel is able to save even the the the, 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 the most wicked sinner or the most societally uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Someone help me out. Societally. Mm. When the English is not coming Undeserving Undeserving sinner We'll go with that (laughs) Um, So I think that's important to notice That there is this thread of grace That goes throughout all of the Old Testament Um, But also in the New Testament There's this thread of justice That goes all throughout the New Testament And that's important to note Because God hasn't changed So when we're looking at the New Testament I think One of the things that always comes to mind um, For me Is uh, Ananias and Sapphira And I think in that particular passage Where Basically, they think they can get away with lying to God. Mm. Um, They find that judgment um, comes on them. And I think that just shows us that actually this God who is the same God in the Old Testament scriptures is definitely the same God in the New Testament scriptures. Mm. He has grace in times past and grace in times future. He has justice in times past and he has justice in times future. And I actually think that speaks to how good the gospel is, Mm. that God is able to show grace and it's not at the expense of his justice.
2: Cool. Happy
1: with that? Yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. Next question is, is the
2: Bible sexist? <laughs> yeah, you guys are looking at me. I, I, I feel like this is
0: top Yeah. I'm Mary. Um, <laughs> I'll chime in with yas. <laughs> <laughs> is the Bible sexist? Um. I w- I'll start off by saying no. Okay. Um. I think one of the main reasons why I think that is because, correct me if I'm wrong, Sexism is um, showing prejudice against someone based upon their gender. Mm -hmm. Um, So the question then is, does the Bible do that? Um, What I see when I read the Bible from the Old Testament to the New Testament is um, God prescribing the rightful roles for men and women. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think that in and of itself constitutes sexism. Um, And I I think that's oftentimes what people... Are referring to what they're thinking about when they speak um, of sexism within the, within the scriptures, mm. um, and so I, I basically start off with, okay, what is the Bible? It's the Word of God. Who is God? He's our Creator, um, and we are we are the creatures, and He knows how we we ought to function. And so, if He's saying that men um, are to take the lead to take leadership within the church and within the home, that's not sexism. That's God telling us how we are how we ought to function. Mm. Um, same way, if He tells us uh, that women um, that wives are meant to be in submission to their husbands that's not sexism that's just uh god given order so uh, my long and short answer is no um mm. however i do think that we we can see um
2: mm. where you going hey?
0: <laughs> Tell i think we can see pictures of sexism within the church ooh.
2: Um, episode four ooh. <laughs> what was episode but we spoke about the just gospel conference yeah yeah yes yeah, yeah.
0: no yeah we can't we can't see pictures of sexism within the church um and i think that's because people have wrongly interpreted the, the scriptures and i think people have wrongly wrongly placed god saying that men are to be in positions of leadership um wrongly placed like an emphasis on that um and so seeing women as less inferior less capable less intelligent um when the bible never says any of those things mm. um so it's something that we ought to, although the Bible is not sexist, it's something that we ought to look out for within our own personal lives and churches anyway.
2: Mm. Um, Mary? Yeah, I don't, I think yeah. when I think of, um, the way Christ deals with women in, in the gospel. So, you know, the woman with the issue of blood, the woman at the well, the <laughs> uh, you know, the adulterous woman, you know, there's just so many stories, uh, where Christ deals graciously, graciously, um, and, and, specifically mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to women yeah um, and then you follow that on to paul's right and how he's he's um pleased with the service of women in roman 16 for example and he he names a load of women who are so, uh, at service to him you know yep. you see that that the bible and the people within the bible um do not are not sexist are not misogynistic yep. um so i think it, it we just have to be mindful of um I think we have to be mindful that we don't ourselves uh, see the roles that men and women have yeah. and in our sin use it to just um, cause like a big gulf yeah. and, and yeah. in a way that makes women feel inferior. Yeah. Um, anything you want to add, Kofi? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. might as well chime in. Um, <laughs> I think one of the things we see in the scriptures is this understanding that Christians were once a particular type of person. So um, a Christian might be once before they were converted, a fornicator, they might be, be once a, a liar, once they were a thief. And I think in this area of um, understanding sexuality and gender roles and so on, many Christians can be deemed to be once misogynists. And I think when we take that viewpoint into our Christianity, um, when once, once we're converted, we don't straight away unlearn those practices. Mm. And that actually contributes to People at times interpreting the scriptures through that fallen yeah, lens, and that leads to um, an overemphasis in certain parts, an underemphasis in certain parts of the scriptures. So that fault today is with the person, it's not with the scriptures. And I think one thing that always sticks in my mind, I can't remember who I was speaking to um, about this, but when they speak about submission, there is a great emphasis placed on the submission of the woman, mm-hmm. and there isn't, I think, at times in certain circles as great an emphasis placed on um, the role of the husband to love and to lead. And the reason I say this is, the example that's given is the church and Jesus Christ. Any Christian doesn't look at Christ and go, submitting to Christ is difficult. Um, I don't want to do it. Mm-hmm. They might have problems with sin and so on, but they don't look at that and say, why would I want to submit to someone like him? No Christian thinks that way. That's how the, that's how the relationship between a husband and wife is meant to be. So when the wife is called to submit and... there are the difficulties involved in submitting she's meant to be submitting to a man who is acting like jesus christ Mm. so if a man is loving if a man is leading if a man is demonstrating christ-like leadership that woman's not going to go submitting to this person as hard because that woman's going to see that actually this man is showing me what it's like to be in a relationship with jesus christ Mm. and that makes the process a lot easier
0: that was straight. Talk that talk. That was straight. Talk Reco- that talk. <laughs> Recovery
1: misogynist. <laughs> okay. Question three:
2: What are the repercussions of prosperity teaching amongst predominantly Black churches? No repercussions. <laughs> Topic.
0: Um. What are the re- so it's particular to Black churches? Yeah. Um. I think one of the first things I, I guess that comes to mind for me is that. Um, black churches then automatically get painted with this. um, It's just all black churches have bad theology. Mm. Um, And for for me, obviously, being in a black church, um, obviously, I I know that's just not the case. Mm. Um, And I think it also might give off the view to... um, How do I put this? People who are not black? Um, <laughs> that all black people care about when it comes to uh, Christianity and the faith is our health, wealth and prosperity. Mm. Um, when there are many uh, Bible-believing Christians who, who uh, desire to grow in grace and to know the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, so I don't really get the question, if I'm if I'm 100% <laughs> honest. <but laughs> could, wow. it be,
2: could it be what are the repercussions <clears throat> in, in that church itself? So if you're thinking about it, if a church is not preaching the gospel, it's preaching a false gospel. What that, what that has what, what the impact that has on the church itself
0: um oh, okay cool um I think I think one of the main things is that it produces very shallow and weak Christians uh-huh. um, and so uh, you realize that uh, the Christians never obviously we, we never live up to the standard to which the scripture has called us to yeah. um, in one sense however they live so far below the standard, um, that it's, it's it's almost painful and it's almost it is sad to see to be honest um, because they're so focused on the health and the wealth um, and the prosperity um, and also I think um, because there's that emphasis on the health and the wealth um, there's not enough biblical teaching about suffering and what suffering looks like in a Christian life and what it looks like to have joy within. Um, suffering and so therefore Christians are just always praying you know for the suffering to end or you know the mm. glory days to come um but they don't actually know how to love um and serve Christ within those sufferings so yeah that's my yeah. opinion
2: I think even of the danger of if you're if you're hearing this gospel and you're actually you think you're a Christian because you've believed in this gospel yeah that kind of fear of actually you've just believed in the false gospel mm-hmm. and that gospel doesn't save yeah. so you have legions of people who profess to be christians but haven't believed in in the the saving power of the gospel at all and that's always so scary um when when you're especially when you're sitting under churches like this where they preach uh, the prosperity gospel so i'm gonna ask kofi the following question cool so how do we react to bad teaching especially if some of us have been under it for a significant amount of time
1: oh good question um When I was in primary school, I was really bad at maths. Story <laughs> time. <laughs> Story time. Yeah, yeah. no, actually, that's not even. That's not even true. That's not fair. I was. I was really good at maths. That's not true. When I got to secondary school, okay. I was in set one for maths. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, credentials and that. <laughs> <laughs> but there was like one test where our teacher was like handing back results for a test we done, and um, I didn't get my result back, and I was amongst like. Five people who didn't get their results back, and she called us to the side of the classroom. <laughs> she said, okay, "We need to have an extra session. You <laughs> guys didn't get it." <laughs> and that was the first time that I was like, "Raw, like maths is hard. <laughs> like, I'm not getting it right anymore." Um, and I say that to say this: um, when you're in a position where you're getting something wrong, or errors being given to you, or you're even propounding error. The best way to go about um, rectifying that situation is to really understand the truth. Mm -hmm. So when someone says they've been in this context, um, what do I do? I would say that if you come out of this context, one, praise God for that, you know, Mm. that's a mercy that not all believers are going to have. And two, this should stir within you an insatiable desire to know the truth. Mm. If you've been on the end of lies for so long, you really want to know what the truth is. So study your Bible um, and study it well, but what I would also say, and I think this is something that actually the contemporary church doesn't, I think, place as much um, emphasis on, um, and that is really plug yourself into a local church and listen to the preaching of faithful men. In Ephesians 4, where Paul is making this connection between the gifts God gives the church, or so pastors and teachers, he connects that directly to our sanctification. Mm. And I think we've got to understand that as believers, that our private devotions are so important, but our private devotions are not up against our public uh, public devotion. Mm. When we go to public worship, that is a real means of grace where God teaches us the truth through men who he set apart to study the truth. So do do the two things together. Cool.
2: Probably anything, Dad?
1: Um... As
0: Kofi said, like plug yourself into um, into into a, into a sound uh, biblical local church um, and sit under their teaching uh, for a extended period of time.
2: This is probably a good, yeah, good time to pause, pause and do some promo. Pause. So uh, this is our last episode for yep. this season, season one. So yep. I just want to thank everyone for listening. We've had over five thousand plays, which is an incredible feat. Um, and, but we we appreciate everyone who's listened, who subscribed. Left reviews, who've commented, who mm. liked our Facebook page, who've Tweet liked our Instagram, who's tweeted us, who's checked the hashtag, who's spoken to us in person, who's DM'd us, who's e- M- emailed us, we who's really appreciate. Interviewed us. Who's interviewed us? Yeah. Um, shout out, to be crowned. Um, we really appreciate every single person. Yeah. Um, it's been overwhelming at times, so we really appreciate that. Topaz um, nodding. I know you can't. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> but Topaz nodding. Yeah. Yes, and also we are going to be launching our website soon.
0: The twenty-sixth of
2: July. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: she said, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah uh yeah we'll be launched in our website on the 26th of july um it will uh, have articles uh videos as well um and obviously the podcast which you are listening to um so yeah just look out for that share with a friend like subscribe um we'll also be on youtube as well obviously for the videos um Ooh. we've dropped a promo video um <laughs> so um to our facebook page our twitter page our instagram page um, and check it out
2: yeah and also if you have any writers we said this last time but if there's anyone who has any articles please email this at oh, please email us at blackberry at gmail.com we won't promise it can be published but we'll definitely take a look at it and put it up if well
1: available. mary's what mary's saying very politely is if the article comes in and it's not very good quality control we're not <laughs> going to publish it but we do want to get as many yes. uh, views from young christian writers and perspectives as possible um, and that would be something that we can interact with in different ways as well
0: and it's on a wide range of topics so yes. it's not just um uh black 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 it's not just black black <laughs> black stuff so for example someone... a lot of it will be black, black, black <laughs> no no of course but so people can write about um flowers
1: <laughs> a christian theology of creation there that we go assuming. thank you all right yeah you just said flowers uh, a christian can
0: write about you know uh, christian theology of creation um and that's things that we want to see and read um so yeah get
2: your articles in guys mm. competition time as it's our last episode before we'll do a book giveaway a yeah, books yeah giveaway yeah yeah so kofi's got some books he wants to give away
0: yes. <laughs> he's a reading man
2: so competition so what's the competition how can we how can how can people win these books. Bruh,
1: <laughs> I thought I was giving away the books.
2: <laughs> I'm gonna throw that back to Mary. <laughs> That's you, Mary. <laughs> okay, to win, to have a chance of winning the books, all you have to do is answer this simple question Who did we interview this season? Um, who did we interview this season? Mm. So email that answer to blackberry at genewill.com. The first person who emails the correct answer will win all this gayo dress and send you the books. Um, all good books, I assume.
1: Yeah, yeah, good books, sound books, um, books that will help you uh, learn to love Christ better.
2: Mm, okay, cool. So, yeah, email. Who do we in, who do we interview this um, season? Email answer. And we'll announce the winner on our social media. Yep, yeah, yeah? cool. Cool. Let's crack on with the rest of the podcast. What if they're not on social media? What do you mean?
0: We'll email them that they won <laughs> yeah.
1: and we'll still announce on social media. Yeah.
0: Guys, I'm thinking about you. Not everybody's, <laughs> on, not everybody's on social media. True.
1: True. Antisocial babes. <laughs> okay, so, next so qu- what? It's only babes, it's not guys as well. Should <laughs> so we be
2: calling the guys babes. Uh huh. No, I'm not. I'm not. That links to our next question. Actually, that's yes.
1: <laughs> when you don't have problems at home. <laughs>
2: anyway, is okay. dating courtship biblical? Is
1: dating slash courtship biblical?
2: Yeah, is dating slash courtship biblical? Over to you, Kofi. <laughs> yeah, what do you think, Kofi?
1: Okay, so, um, mm. <clears throat> mm. yes or no? I don't want to answer that question that way. <laughs> I think the first thing to say is when you frame the question in that way, what you're when you're saying is it biblical, you might be asking actually, does the Bible prescribe this? Is yeah. this the way that it needs to be done? And the first thing that you have to say to that is no, the Bible doesn't say that Christians have to go through a period of dating and before they get married. Yeah. Because the patriarchs didn't. Mm-hmm. They had basically some of them had arranged marriages. Amazing. And they had <laughs> 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 and it was... It worked out for some of them. So we praise God for that means of bringing people together, um, which can be viable um, in the present day. I'm mm-hmm. itching as I say that, but Call it's up true. my elder. <laughs> um, my
0: dad. Oh, no.
1: <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but yeah, so that's the first thing to say. But it's also important to say that it's not anti-biblical. Okay. So going through the process of dating and courtship is not... Um, depending on how it's done is not breaking any prescribed law for the way christians are meant to live um so i think yeah it's not prescribed by the bible as the only way but it's not um by the bible as the wrong way
0: is 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 courtship
1: um more holy than (laughs) dating is courtship more holy than dating yes okay um more biblical more biblical okay so i guess hidden in that question is definitions of the two yeah, yeah. so normally what we get out when we're talking about dating is when you just recreationally date isn't it like you see someone that you might appeal to whether it's or they might appeal to you whether it's via attraction physically or yeah. like you vibe and you get on whatever and you just go out for like dates and there's no real like commitment purpose mm-hmm. you don't mm-hmm. really know what's happening you just go on the flow. yeah um and for various reasons that's 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 the Bible wouldn't say that that's the way to go about it because the Bible really does set out for the Christian that they're meant to live in a purposeful way because they're meant to be aiming with every one of their actions to glorify God and what they do. Mm-hmm. You can't do that if you're doing something without a purpose. Um, so that's dating and that would be something that probably pr- the Bible would speak against. Yep. Um when it comes to courtship, the courtship has many definitions, <laughs> has many, many. views, <laughs> has many commentaries. <laughs> As many podcasts. Um, oh. But it's, I think the important thing to say in terms of courtship and keeping it at a general level so we don't find where yeah. we disagree too much <laughs> is essentially that there is a purpose towards the relationship. And that is to say that these two people have come together in an effort... you Are itching your hair? I'm
0: listening. Okay.
1: <laughs> these two people, man and woman, have come together in an effort to walk towards marriage. Yeah. Um, and I think that purpose actually governs the way they go about the activity and that's really biblical because what's going to be happening there is the man is going to be demonstrating some of the behaviors that he'll need to demonstrate further on in marriage to a lesser degree so things like leadership so planning out the steps for the relationship to take. So what are we going to think about with regards to when we're going to get married? What are the things that need to be in place? Um what things in our character do we need to make sure that we've as far as we can ironed out before we take this next step. And all those kind of things are going to be there. And the woman's going to be along in that process to saying is this the type of man that you know exemplifies the Christ like character that um a man ought to have in marriage. Am I growing in grace in such a way to be a godly wife and so on mm-hmm. and so forth. So there we are. Um, those are my um, PC views on courtship.
2: <laughs> Would we say that intentional dating and courtship is the same thing? So sometimes in the church, we, if someone says, I'm dating him, they're like, oh, I'm in a courtship. Oh, okay. I
0: think, I think intentional dating um, is the kind of thing uh, that Kofi just kind of um, expressed in terms of um, purpose-driven courtship that sounds like a book title yeah um, i think, coffee, think about it <laughs> <laughs> um is that like there's it's going somewhere that it's not just like oh um, let's just get together hook up and see where we are in two to three months but there's an intention um to towards the end of marriage so i would say intentional dating and courtship probably in our culture is viewed as
1: um the same do i would say one of the things that i always find when people are talking about dating um there tends to be kind of a i don't know like a, a kind of a ill kind of like vibe when someone goes on a, a random date and i think we've got to be careful sorry and, what's a random what's date? a random date i'll get there i'll get there i'm still playing <laughs> <Just lying, laughs> <flit>, <laughs> but yeah um when i say that is i'll give an example um christian man finds himself in a church in the middle of basically nowhere yeah and all the couples there are elderly couples mm-hmm. no young people his age and so on he's what let's say 28 mm-hmm. he's reached a point where he feels that god is calling him to marriage but there's no prospects around he goes to a christian conference comes across a lovely sister by the name of chelsea chantel, chantel. <laughs> 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 we'll go through a mix of the two <laughs> Shelly and Tell <laughs> and They get they get talking And he's oppressed by her Christian character And so on and so forth He wants to get to know her a bit better He goes back to his church He goes back to his church How are they going to get to know each other? They don't have any friends That are mutual They're not seeing each other In the local like church setting like, What's going to happen? Do what's, ch- that? what's that? What's that? I Ray think that I, can, I Nard. think that I, I think that can be equally can equally have its problems. True. I would just say. True. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I would I would I would just say when they do this, if they do decide to take a step of dating, there still there still can be a way to do that that's very intentional. Yes. So it might be let's say we'll do three dates these are the things that we might we have to be talking through in our dates and then after that period of time we might go into worship. but i'm not saying that's the way it has to be done but i'm saying that there can be an intentionality behind that coming together of two people who are just because of geography in very different parts of the world that can still be god honoring so it doesn't have to look the way that we want it to look for it to be pleasing to the lord so what you're telling me is that uh,
0: this 28 year old yeah right will approach this girl yeah and say he wants to take her out to say to Starbucks, right, mm. and they will have three meetups, maybe Starbucks, Costa, then Prep, right, mm. and then by the end maybe of it, maybe an independent coffee chain, <laughs> <Jane. laughs> You know, you have to, you
1: they yeah, yeah, <laughs> you will know, go to coffee shops, they will go to coffee shops,
0: those three dates, right, Yeah, and at the end of it, is it that he will decide whether to outside into a courtship, or they will both decide
1: Oh, what she wants to get at is, are you a misogynist? That's
0: what she's <laughs> trying to tell me. No, what I'm trying to understand, yeah. Oh, what's the, right? the decision. I just, I, yeah, like I, so. Like <laughs> I, at the end of the, at the end of the three dates, yeah. What if the girl is about like, head over heels and the guy's just like, nah. Do you know what? i ain't really feeling your mm. character. No He's let her on as well.
2: Is that a good enough? He hasn't let her on
1: Three dates. All Cause, right. Because he said it before the start. Why? why do, I, after, after the second date, you let me. Sorry. <laughs> after <laughs> the third date, <laughs> no, you No, actually, actually, it's been proven by like uh, sociological reports. I can show you guys. I'm off, like, my eyes. Yeah, but that um, to make a genuine connection with someone, or to actually understand something about someone, you need to have at least three meetups with them. So, That's so, so I need, Sorry. I need my receipts. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll give it to you. But, but you can't just. I don't think you can just have like. A one date wonder, like okay, no, no,
0: but still, still, my question stands. I Whether the, three, five, or two, you can't. Have, what happens
1: at the end of the that process? Call, you can't have a courtship by yourself. So, no. so, oh, right. so So if a guy wants to court her, she says no. It's he's over. He's single. <laughs> if the girl wants to court him, and um, he's not on it, she's single. I think inherent in the process of courtship and dating is this vulnerability that Christians can't get out of. Right. You can only minimize. Right. Cool. So. My 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 thinking, right, is just,
0: what if this guy does this, like, five or six times? He goes to, like... Let's say he goes to one conference, he goes to another conference, he goes to another conference. He's a, he's he's a, looking, he's looking a sister at every conference. He's looking for love. And he's been on 15 dates, and it's just, just... What no, then?
2: No good woman around.
0: I think, at that does point... He, does he not, like, then, like, have this reputation of... <laughs>
1: I think at that point, if he becomes a conference hopper who's having multiple dates with um, sisters without having good reasons for not pursuing them into courtship, it may lead on to our next question.
2: (laughs) 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 How should the church respond to the phrase, men are trash? (laughs) I'm dying. (laughs) That was good though. It wasn't even planned, was it? Yeah, so how should the church respond? Respond to this popular phrase that we're seeing: Kofi. "Men are trash."
0: I don't feel like Kofi answered my question.
2: <laughs> that he did. He said he's a dangerous fellow, and maybe his elder or his pastor in his local church will rebuke him. All right. So how do how how should the church respond, respond to the phrase "Men are trash"? We agree. Don't say we.
0: <laughs> they agree. I think I think it's what they mm. mean by men uh-huh. are trash, right? Uh-huh. So if what they mean by men are trash is yes. that men are sinners, then we wholeheartedly agree but then women are equally trash, right? Okay. But if what they mean by it... <laughs> I didn't even
1: hear you. Say that one more time. <laughs> I didn't even hear you.
0: Men are trash, women are trash, uh, right? True. Aside from the grace of God, yes. men and women are trash. Yes. Um, but I think when that statement is often said, yes. there's a lot of hurt and pain um, behind the statement because men have done things to women that are not favourable, uh, particularly in the context of like dating and relationships. And um, marriage. And marriage, unfortunately. Um, so, how should the church respond? Um, hmm. I can't say
1: this. Coffee. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So this this past this past Saturday, um, some of the men at our local church got together, um, and one of the presentations that was given um, was on a booklet that myself and Richard have read quite extensively, and now Dammy is reading, um, and actually Dami gave the presentation. Um, was on al molars um going from uh being a boy to a man mm. and in that short booklet it's online you can get it for free you just need to search out al molar manhood pdf um you you find that Mola setting out the steps of what it looks like to step into christian maturity as a man um and i think the phrase men are trash divorcing it from i guess the particular context in which it's it's said with regards to dating and so on and so forth and looking at it at a macro level is society really crying out for men to be men yes um and i <laughs> no, think <it> <laughs> so, I didn't i didn't
2: <laughs> it was yes to respond to the question and yes is uh-huh. in yes uh-huh.
1: uh-huh. um so society are making this call that men need to be men um And it presents a wonderful opportunity for christian men to rise up and say look this is what it looks like to walk with christ and be like christ and to set an example that makes beautiful the gospel um when a man is walking in maturity um irrespective of whether he's in christian circles or non-christian circles you notice that um and it comes out and i think that's what christian men should look at as men are trash okay let's learn uh, by the grace of God, to walk in a way that we won't be trash. Let's learn to walk after Christ.
0: Mm. And, I, and I think often, like when women, and I can't, kind of, I've heard women in the church make this kind of statement. Um, <sighs> but I think often when women make that kind of statement, it's often done without um, extending grace and mercy to their brothers and True. their failings. Are um, you
2: talking to me now?
0: Because <laughs> obviously, obviously, it's, it's not, not only. only it's not only worldly <laughs> men that fail. Um, Christian men do so fail right. from time mm. to time, um, and so the the duty for us as sisters is to, is to pray for our brothers um, where, where we see them failing and encourage them, not just turn around and be like, all men are trash, um, because as I said, we're we're, we're all sinners, um, and, and you won't marry. <laughs> it's true, you won't marry. <laughs>
2: no, all men are trash apart from my husband. <laughs> the church can respond evangelistically as well, of course, um, especially yeah. to unbelieving men Mm -hmm. who by nature are trash and who know they're trash you know the gospel speaks to that and the fact of you know the Lord can actually change and transform you um, by grace yeah I think Eric
0: Mason has a good um, manhood series
2: um, about
0: just about what it means to be a man yeah as Kofi was saying yeah um, and he was and he was saying that there is a need um, for Christian men to actually go into circles whereby uh, unbelieving men are failing and actually show them what it means to be a man. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you don't realise how impactful that is, um, and how much that is a witness to the gospel. And um, so that's uh, that's how I believe the church can respond um, to that statement. It's true, but women are equally trash. True. Okay.
1: So I feel like, like, we can break that into like one of those picture things. <laughs> i feel like it's, a, it's an important message
2: yeah okay did you guys feel pressured to get married after leaving university
1: did or do
2: <laughs> 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 this, is my, this is the next question mary let, let's hear you answer that okay let me your, let me right. rant <laughs> let me tell you my testimony <laughs> did i feel pressured after leaving university so i didn't i know for some ladies their mums always like don't and be in a relationship in a university and then the day they graduate they're like where's your husband mm. but my mom wasn't really like that but as I'm you know and Mary went I'm th- to a good uni as well I did I'm 20 something now you know <laughs> not <laughs> 21 anymore Mary <laughs> said <Where's> 20 something <laughs> and, and now my mom is like okay who are you dating who's the guy what's his, what's his name what's his name and I'm like I can't I can't marry myself you know someone has to pursue me he's on my prayer um, list so <laughs> I don't feel that I, there's a natural pressure I think, yeah. amongst the sisters, but it's not like a, oh, if I don't get married, I'm going to die. Um, but that, you know, it's a, it's a healthy, fresh that leads me to pray.
0: It's a healthy desire. Yes, yeah, healthy
2: desire indeed. Um, that leads me to pray and trust in the Lord's sovereignty. But it's not, it's not touching me yet. Maybe when I get a little bit
1: older. Remember, hashtag one to win.
2: One to win. All it takes is one to win. Oh, <laughs> if you're listening, I'm praying for you. <laughs> um. Topo, do you feel any pressure? Did
0: you feel any pressure? Um, What's I, your situation like? I don't know. Wow, you like, <laughs> can put it out there like that. Uh, um, Transparency. I, yeah, yeah. So when I um, <laughs> when I I remember I remember the week before I turned twenty one, um, and I was working in uh, one of my mom's friend's companies, and um, she actually stopped my work to kind of inquire about my uh, my relationship status. And at the time, I was I was frustrated because I thought. For the last twenty-one years of my life, I've been I've been told to face my books. Now, as soon as I hit twenty-one, they want this man to magically appear. Like I I just don't know how. It's not real. Um, but I think, especially for like Nigerians um, and maybe Africans or possibly even Black people in general, um, there is this sometimes spoken pressure of you know you're getting old, you must marry Mm. Like um, you need to give me grandkids Um, and I think especially, I don't know if the pressure is like that on guys but I know particularly for women that is a pressure sometimes that um, women receive from their parents and even from like extended family members Um, and what it can produce within women is a discontentment um, within their singleness so it's like okay I'm not really a a woman until I'm married or in a relationship or or until a guy has pursued me so I didn't Thankfully um received all that much pressure. I had those like banterous comments when right. I went to like family functions um and my dad did one time <clears throat> he did one time tell me that he went to a mountain to pray. Uh, because <laughs> the
2: <laughs> tray righteous <that just> man <laughs>
0: because, because I had not brought a man home. Um those views do not <laughs> represent the views of black And, you know, I I, I appreciate, I appreciate my dad's prayers, you know, the, the, you know, the, the, the rapture prayers, (laughs) um, that could have been made from his home, that could have been made from his home, right, but, um, I, I I do appreciate his prayers in that he's praying for the man that I do marry, Mm. um, it's just that unnecessary pressure of, you know, come on, you need to marry, I need my kids, there's always something that our parents want, when it, once you've married these kids... Once you have kids, it's, uh, when's the next one coming? Once your kids have grown up, when are they graduating? Yeah. So there's always something. And so, um, I don't know what it's, the pressure's been like for guys. Kofi? Um.
2: Speak for your brothers.
1: I don't know that I can homogenise the guys' experience, you know. <laughs> I know some guys have felt the pressure to get married. Some guys have just really wanted to get married and so on. I don't think I've really felt any pressure, um. My parents have been quite cool. My dad's quite laid back. Um, my mum's just been on, you know, when the when woman's the right woman, mm. go for it. Um, I mean, that might change when I hit 30. I don't know. <laughs> it does I'm not, change. I'm not close to 30, <laughs> but I mean, it might change. Um, I think the thing for me that I'll just pull out here is I think the fall um, affects actually men slightly differently than it does affect women. And one of the ways it affects men um, can be an abdication of the responsibility to make decisions, to lead, to commit, and all that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so when we're looking at the pressures to get married, um, at times it might appear to be pious that a guy is just like, you know what, like I'm, I'm cool. I don't need to like get married, whatever, and so on and so forth. But that 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 Christian man always has to make sure that he's checking his heart to to check that those things are not necessarily him just being in a place of not wanting to make a decision. Um, failing to, to, to demonstrate leadership or being able to commit and so on and so forth which might be some of the, the issues that lead men actually not away from um, entering into marriage but there's no pressure for me there's still no pressure for me now um, but I think that's a, an important balancer um, but from what thing I always feel like I should always say to the sisters I don't know how well it's taken from coming from a guy but I just think it's important that the response to a climate where there aren't many eligible bachelors for you in a particular context isn't to go to the other end of the spectrum and just go like raw, like I don't, I'm not even thinking about marriage, red hatters, blah, blah blah blah. You know, <laughs> no, don't do that. Walk the tightrope. It's an honorable thing for a woman to want to get married. No one should ever clown you on that. It's 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 a God-given desire. And it's a good one. God made marriage, um, and He made it good. So keep that desire, um, but learn how to walk that tightrope of being content in your singleness while being. Um, desirous of entering into that particular stage that God calls women to flourish in and men as well which is marriage cool uh, next question um, how much of an obligation do
2: should black celebrities have to speak out regarding racial issues in society Mary what do you think um, I think it depends on who the black celebrity is okay Um, okay obligation is, must mean it's compulsory yeah. but I think so I'm speaking about let's say if we're talking about a black rapper or an athlete who came from, um, you know, an area which was full of violence, full of poverty, and now you've made it. I I think it would be wrong to almost forget that. I think you'd want to speak against the issues that um, lead people to be in those situations, things that you can do to to bring out of it, how you can support yourself personally. I think it's difficult for some black rappers, for example, who Leave an area full of violence. Their music's about violence, and they, to speak out against it would be almost to speak about, against themselves. Yeah. Um, but I think you sh- I, th- I do think if you've come from a specific area um, that that people have been burdened by some sort of injustice or pain, that you should speak out against it and do all you can to support it. Yeah. What do you guys
0: think? So only are you saying only those who have come from a background? No, I think it's, it's like... more on them. I think the onus okay. is more
2: on them. If you've come from a, a great area. You can still do it generally, because you're thinking of people who are like you. Um, but especially if you know you come from a, an area that is drug-ridden, people die every day. You know, just, I'm thinking of places like Chicago now. I'm thinking of places where people are, you know, going through a lot of things. To not speak about it would be almost to forget where you've come from. But I mm-hmm. think, that especially in our black communities, there is this sense of, I leave the hood and I forget about the hood, mm-hmm. and, and I don't think that should be the case. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Tope?
0: Um, I guess I, I, I feel like I'm in two minds, especially because the question said, um, it spoke about obligation. Yeah. Um, I'm in two minds because I feel like some black celebrities are just not equipped to talk about these yeah. things. So when they do talk about these things, it's so um, shallow um, yeah. or it's not very well informed. Um, and so I mean I'm in two minds on that end. Um, yeah. Um, also because I feel like some people didn't sign up to be civil rights activists. They just signed up to rap. Or uh, do, do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, they they yeah. signed up to 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 maybe rap, sing, dance, whatever. Um. So should we place the responsibility of spokesperson for the black community? Um on someone because they have a particular talent in dancing or rapping or the arts. Yeah. I don't
2: necessarily think so. But even if you're not going to, even if you feel like you're not qualified, then bring up people who are, you know, shout them out. Mm. Yeah, yeah, stuff, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. their books. Yeah. Like, okay, guys, yeah. I don't know if you think about the civil rights um, issues that are happening in this certain area, but I know this person is... Yep. Yep and you know at least use your platform to promote some sense of good yeah and i think i think
0: I think, I think i think that would be a better strategy if that person is convinced that they need to speak about racial issues True. Uh, because some black celebrities
1: <laughs> some black celebrities are what that's a dashing comment I
0: think. <laughs> no i was about to say i'm not black i'm OJ. <laughs> <laughs> some black celebrities don't feel that compulsion to speak about racial issues or don't even like to uh, describe themselves as being
2: black sometimes that's cowardice though so you don't want to speak out about racial issues essentially because it hits your pocket like for example the whole Ka- colin kaepernick thing and um, the nfl player who spoke out against racial issues and essentially has been blackballed from the nfl mm-hmm. there's been hardly no black celebrities who's spoken about that yeah of course they know if they do speak out they could lose endorsements they could lose money and i think that's a shame Yeah, sometimes sometimes I do think it's cowardice, but sometimes I I just acknowledge the fact that some people have just grown up in contexts
0: whereby um, maybe their blackness isn't as um, looked down upon, if that makes sense. And even even in white communities, and so the, the lens that they look at society through is just completely and radically different, so they don't see the issues, and so therefore they don't feel like... You know, they don't feel like there's a problem going on within society. And so do I, do I think that black celebrity should be speaking about racial issues? Not necessarily.
1: I think every person who ascends to a particular platform has an obligation to think about how they can use their platform for good. Yeah. Um, more generally. Um, for some people, they might find a particular burden for their particular people group. Um, as one of the ways in which they could bring about some good. Um, I think <clears throat> there are two things that can be done and always can be done. There can be righteous critique of systems, of acts that are demonstrating a racial prejudice, but there could also be the uplifting of the community via setting up foundations and projects and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. And I think certain people um, may be... More gifted towards one avenue than the other, um, but I would just like to see that 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 conversation happens internally in everyone's mind when they reach that particular position. Mm. Um, Topic made a really good point. Some there's some people that I read, um, read or I listen to their interviews, and to be quite honest, <laughs> not I <laughs> would prefer to have done new music and left it there <laughs> and. That's all I know you for. Um, so yeah, so it's it's really that balance and act of knowing what your gifts are, mm. and then also thinking about whether it's righteous critique that I ought to do, or whether it's demonstrating an act of mercy that I can uplift my community. Mm. So
2: you think everyone does have an obligation to do one or one
1: of the two? Um, I would I would I would like to say I think that everyone has the obligation if you're a black celebrity to think through. That particular avenue. If you come down and you're thinking through of those things and realize that actually you might do more to harm the cause um, if you were to speak, then your your activism might actually be being being quiet mm. and then maybe encouraging like do, retweeting someone who you yeah. know funding other funding yeah. people yeah. who can speak. On that point, though, I feel like recently there's been um, I mean, <laughs> Doctor Umar Johnson um, has said some things. Um, a lot of things, um, and like recently we've had, um, well, not amongst us necessarily, but there's been discussions in the media about um, Jesse Williams, for example, who has been rumoured to be dating um, uh, a white actress. Yeah. Um, now let's divorcing it particularly from those two people. Yeah. Um, to give a broader question, is there an obligation on people who are, or black people rather, who are in Prominent positions who are known for being activists for black rights to marry, date within their race.
2: Mary. I think it depends. No, talk up, um, talk up. Talk up. Say with to chair. So if there was a if there was a black activist who's a Christian now, mm-hmm. he knows at the end of the day it's the gospel is bigger than whether you're black or you're white. Right. Yeah. You know, his, his primary goal is to marry a woman who's a Christian. Right. So if, he, if, if I knew that's where he's coming from, mm. I'm, I support you 100% because you need to marry, you know, a godly woman.
1: So within, within that structure of him wanting to marry a godly woman, would you say because of his other commitments, his lesser commitments even, that... His preference should be a godly woman from God. You can't the help who you fall in
2: love with, you know, love is. Mary, do you believe that love? T- love is. If one love takes over, what can you Mary, do? Mary, is that Christian? <laughs> I'm sure. sure that's a song lyric. <laughs> <laughs> <out of> <laughs> no, but you know what I mean. Like, okay, I get some people. He may a, a guy who is a black activist may, in preference, desire, okay, um, to marry a black woman yeah. for a, a host of reasons. But if you're not, if you're not swayed that way and you meet a white woman, who's a godly woman, marry
0: her. So one of the things, um, if I remember correctly, that Uma Johnson said when he kind of pulled through forward this view was that, um, let's just say, with a black man and a white woman, a white woman is not able to understand mm-hmm. your struggle. Yeah. Um, so... <laughs> so what?
2: So a white woman doesn't understand...
0: So he was saying so he was saying a white woman is not able to understand a black man's struggle mm. um and so he's not she's not able to um, relate empathize whatever uh, with with uh, the black man and so therefore why is a black man going for someone who cannot understand your struggle um would you say that that is something we ought to take into consideration as Christians
2: I think it's something to take into consideration but I don't know if it should be preeminent I don't know if you're thinking oh she's godly, but she doesn't understand my struggle. Nah, go on, go off the table. Of you course, know, I get what Dr. Uma's saying, but you can explain the struggle. You no, know, I, I, actually, I was going to say that. I feel like... Um, you can explain the struggle. No, no, it's, but you know what I mean? <laughs> you can. Yeah, you can.
0: I think you can. You can't explain I my struggle. <laughs> I think you can.
1: I just don't think that person is necessarily going to understand perfectly. Yeah, yeah of course. Um, of course. I think, I think thinking of it like now, um, as Christians, for example, we're called to weep with those who weep. So she will, to an extent, she will understand. There's times when, but it's, there's times when in that weeping with those who weep, you, as much as you're trying to, as much as you're praying to be able to, you have to be honest with yourself and admit that the struggle, that pain that person's particularly going through, for example, they've lost a loved one, they've, yeah. they've passed away. You don't know it. And as much as you're weeping with them, as much as you're in that place of trying to mourn with them, you don't actually, you, you you can't take that pain, and you you grow in it and so on and so forth. I think it might be similar. It, this principle of being able to understand the understand something that's not uh, happening to you, um, that's happening to someone else, and even acknowledging that you're just not at the stage where you can perfectly understand it, um, but realizing that your disposition in your heart is actually to to want to understand it so i think of um i went out for a curry night like, recently um some of my weight uh, my my mates yeah yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs>
1: um anyway one of them came over to me um at the end of the night, mm, the end of the night. We we're just talking whatever and one of the things that like we got talking about was like how she spent her gap year and she mentioned that she spent it in it was an African country, I've completely forgotten. Um yeah, the name of it. And she the one of the things that she drew out when I was like, oh, so what did you like, what do you feel like you learned from that experience? She was like, it was the first time I've been somewhere and I've noticed that I'm the minority. And I had never known what that had felt like until I was actually there, because it's always been a default for me to be in the majority. Mm. Um and that doesn't mean that she perfectly understands everything and so on and so forth but that that is a step yeah that's mm-hmm. a powerful mm-hmm. step and i think um in terms of you know someone um thinking through inter interracial relationships that's a that's that's what you'd want in someone of the opposite opposite race is the wrong word of a different race mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um to be able someone who's willing to empathize willing to in as far as they can To understand what it's like To be a part of your race As well as you doing the same For that yeah. person Having said that though <laughs> I don't know it, I think it might Ruin the impact Of you being An activist For black Why? rights Why? Because there is something There is something Inherent to Making a commitment To your community Yeah That is interlinked With who you choose To make the biggest Commitment to in your life Right but is so but is, for as Christians. Yeah. Right.
0: We we were speaking about a Christian context. Yeah, yeah. Is our is our primary community not the church?
2: Mm. Talk that toxic stuff. Yeah, it is. So.
1: And as so as a Christian, no don't don't stone <laughs> so me. So, so. So <laughs> me. I, but as a, as a Christian, you would you would be someone who would say, actually, um, before my commitment to my race is my commitment to Christ and Christ's body, in the church. Right. Yeah. Like, so you would say that you so i would say that i understand when people have those criticisms um but i would just say whilst i understand it there's i have a master Mm um i have i have have a lord i have i have one who matters more to me than this particular aspect of my identity Mm -hmm. um and so i think that's where i would go um but it's a hard one man I just, I don't know, could Martin Luther King have been as powerful for the black community if he chose not to, I'm not saying he's a Christian or not, but if he chose to marry a white woman? I just don't know. I just don't know if someone would, you know, look at that. I think, I think
0: people would have looked at him some type of way, because especially in those days, it would have looked like the oppressed marrying the oppressor. Yeah. Right. So, um, yeah. (laughs) I don't know. It's a tough one. Let us know what you think. (laughs) Tweet us.
1: Hashtag Black Maria, tweet us.
0: Do
2: you guys want to do the last question?
1: Yeah, let's do it. Let's
0: do it. Okay. That's the one I've been waiting for.
2: (laughs) So do you want to, so there's an article that we were sent. Oh, yeah. Kofi, do you want to explain what the article is about? Okay, so
1: the basic premise of the article um, is basically found in its title. And it says something to the effect of why Africa still needs. Mm. Emphasis. (laughs) <laughs> Guys, this... western um, workers isn't it yes. yep. um, and the article goes on to basically articulate a case for Africa's necessity of um, western missionaries um, it does it firstly by identifying um, some aspects of Africa's godlessness mm. um, and some of the important ways in which the western community has Brought the gospel to Africa, and moving on from there, um, why it's important that we in this particular uh, age are still concerned to do that. Uh, does anyone have uh, any thoughts, criticisms, yeah. Uh, positive? <laughs> yeah, 100. So my
0: first issue was with the title 100%. of the article, right? Why Africa still needs Western workers? I um. think I think it could have been framed um, a lot different. So, for example. Um, why, um, Western workers, um, or why, or how the West can support, um, the work of the gospel in Africa. Yeah. Right. The way that the, the title was framed, and even as I read through the article, was this kind of elevation of the West, Mm. um, where it's kind of like, what Africa needs is, you know, this superhero, or these superheroes to come from the West to Africa um, and tackle this godlessness, um, which I just don't think is the case. Um, that was my first issue. And my second issue probably wasn't as much with the article, um, but is with kind of what I see when Western missionaries go into Africa, mm. is what they present is not only do they just present the gospel, which, you know what, I praise God for, mm. but they, they, they seem to take away Africa's culture and say, okay, yeah. what it looks like to be a Christian is to look like this. Um, And I feel like that rhetoric um, from the article is just so, so, so unhelpful. Um, I think what Africa does need... Yeah, Africa does need the gospel, um, so does the West. Uh Um, And I think what he was probably trying to get at um, is that... Well, no, this is not what he was trying to get at, but what I would have loved to see him write about um, was how we could train workers yeah. to go and um, give the gospel in, in, in Africa, or even how we could um, train those in Africa to share the gospel amongst themselves, um, because yeah. they know the, the culture better than we do. Yeah, um, So that was one of my first issues um, with the article was the title.
2: Yeah, didn't really say, speak, I wish it kind of mentioned the work that churches in Africa are doing. Yep. Um, maybe ways that they can partner with these organisations kind of made it seem like, okay, Africa's on fire, and only the West can come and save. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and I think that is problematic. I think yeah. that whole idea of um, Africa are in dire shape, and only we can save them.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, the white saviour syndrome. Yeah, yeah it like, is. And public, sometimes yeah. you don't
2: see it <clears throat> when you're writing the article, um, or when you're from that specific perspective. And also just, he um, kind of mentioned something about the prosperity gospel and the impact it's having in Africa, and of course that is uh, an important thing to consider, but mm-hmm. he didn't really notice the fact that the actual prosperity gospel was something that was adapted from the West, from the West, as yeah. opposed to you know we just started um, loving this heresy that came yeah. about. Um, yeah. And I think you know the title was was problematic, but I I think I got what he meant. You know when you read the last paragraph of the article, he speaks about um, basically how the West has almost fallen or reduced its effort in going to Africa. So he had like three reasons why people are not going on missions anymore. Mm-hmm. So he was, I think his clarion call, the article was, guys, let's fix up, let's go and serve these people. Um, could have been worded a lot better, but I definitely saw his
1: desire. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think one of the things that instantly, when I was, you know, like when you, it's, it's a Gospel Coalition article. Yeah. When you finish your Gospel Coalition article, and it's a really, it's a really good, it's a really good website actually to find good Christian literature. Um, they have a little summary of who the author is and their affiliations and so on and there was an affiliation there to basically a a zambian ministry um and zambia is one of the countries in africa and i would say even in the world to be honest that has experienced in recent years a real move of god yeah Um, we have a plethora of just initiatives that are just pervading through uh, Zambia and really positive ones so we have the African Christian University led by uh, Dr. voldi Barkham that's you know seeking to um, train um, people who attend that university that, that institution to have a Christian worldview and applying it to the place of work um, to the place of you know society how they live and so on but also a seminary that's seeking to you know produce preachers who preach and teach the word of God within mm. the African context yeah. um, and we have faithful churches um, just a number of faithful churches I mean one of my, one of my One of the preachers I've listened to considerably in my my Christian walk is a Zambian man named Conrad Mbewe. So, you know, these these men are from Africa, not to mention the early church had a number of African men who were absolutely pivotal to the formation of the church. Um, So I think it's really important. I'm not saying that this this particular author did it, but I think it's really important because of the inherent tensions, because of the colonisation that's taken place, um, in times past, because of slavery and so on, that there's always an effort to recognise, actually, whilst we can do good, we have done bad. Yep. And some of the problems that some of the countries in the world are facing are actually as a result of us having done bad. Um, one of the things that I would flip it on its head is when you said Western workers, I I don't know, maybe it's because I don't identify much with the West. But <laughs> you fought white. I thought white, but yeah. we're, we're now Western. Now, not, yeah. not to say that, you know, our African identity have gone to heaven at all. I mean, you know, I'm going to probably go home and eat fufu, like, right now. So, it's there. But, like, there's, that, there's still that sense of, you know, Western now, because of the way globalisation has worked, um, also because of what's happened prior with regards to forced um, transportation of, of people, um, has led to a, a very different outlook for what it looks like to be from a particular part of the world. So I think um, one of the, the main takeaways that we can take if we're trying to end on a positive is that all of us have to think through the question of has God called us to be a missionary? Um, many of us many of us will say no. Um, Do you mean particularly to Africa, Africa or generally? I would say firstly generally. And then, I mean, if, if the answer is yes at that point, then you're going to go into... Um, Where has God called me to be a missionary? I think it's just an important question. I mean, at at university, I had a number of friends who we would talk about that kind of thing. And I think it's, and I'm just just thinking about it now, I haven't really had that discussion this year. Um, And I think that's one good thing to draw out. Has God called me to be a missionary? And has he called me to be a missionary to Africa? Um, And if he has, do I love the gospel and the glory of Christ more than I love the middle-class life and comfort Mm. that that brings? Also, are we supporting missionaries as well? Yeah, yeah. I some people them. go and
2: some people support. So are some we doing people. the latter as well as the former?
1: True. Some people, yeah, some people go down the, the rope, some people hold the rope. So we, but everyone gets their hands burnt. Yeah. Um, so it's important that we're thinking through that function of missions.
0: Especially, I think, especially as black people um, who do have roots within Africa or even the Caribbeans, Um. it does look Different when black people do go back to yes. Africa to present mm. the gospel. Um, there, there is this history of tension. <laughs> there is this history of tension between um, the West and Africa, and so um, I think particularly as black people, that's something we definitely have to be thinking for whoever God has called us um, to go back to Africa to do missionary work, um, and also as you said, just support the work that's already being done yeah. in Africa. Because um, there is a lot of work, it's just that they're not getting the resources
1: um, as they ought to. Mm.
2: We'll post an article so you guys can read it.
1: Yeah, um, I feel like I just want to say one one thing, and it's 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 actually what Topher said before, but I feel like it's so important. We're called um, to bring the gospel. We're not called to bring our culture with the gospel. So when, when we are thinking of missions to Africa, it's literally about the salvation of souls. It's not about bringing what we know from the West as the Western way of living yeah. to Africa and imposing that there.
2: Yeah.
1: As a, um, as a random side note,
0: I've, I've been reading this book called um, African Christian Theology mm. by um, Samuel Kuniop. Um, she reads. She
1: does read. But she's not single.
0: Wow. <laughs> 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 I've been reading. <laughs> I am though. one to win (laughs) one to win one to win um i've been reading this book called uh, african christian theology um and i think i think it's just help it's a helpful read um even for black people that are considering work within the african context Mm. um there is a particular type of theology um that is obviously rooted in the bible that is necessary in africa so one that comes to mind um straight away particularly in west africa and nigeria is the need to biblically tackle with issues like witchcraft. Yeah. yeah. Um, that we don't we don't see that tackled by many or any people within the West. Um, yeah. And so I, I think books like mm. that are very, very important to read. Um, and hopefully w- once we get the website up and running on the 26th of July.
2: Oh, nice
1: um,
0: We can put these type of books and resources um, on the website.
1: Maybe even articles from top about witchcraft. Yeah.
2: Maybe. We Maybe. Can bring. She Maybe. writes Maybe. too. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Okay, we're going to end it there? Yeah. Season is over. It's <laughs> <laughs> not over. <laughs> okay. Um, not over until you win. <laughs> thank you so much for listening, guys. We will be back shortly. We will be. 26th of July, website launch. Any last words, guys?
0: Um, just, uh, uh, I think as we's, we've expressed already, just a thank you for all the support over season one. Um, continue to support um, one of our biggest avenues for kind of getting our name out there is word of mouth so please uh, share with a friend and talk back to us, let us know your thoughts um, where you think we're failing uh, where, where we can do better or where you just appreciate what we've done. Yeah guys so
1: that's the end of the show and that's the end of the series, um, man it's really ended, anyway I'm Kofi, I'm Mary, I'm Toppe this was Black Maria, take
2: care